Jonathan Hamill uh, from Washington, D.C. Jonathan and I have been friends for many years at this point, um, 14, 15 years. Uh, we met each other here in Massachusetts when he was here on a ministry trip and have just stayed in touch over the years. And John um, is very much in the prophetic spiritual warfare uh, stream of prayer. God has given him an assignment for prayer in Washington, D.C. I've been in his apartment where he literally can look over all the uh, capital, the buildings of, of the district. So I'm just excited to hear from John, uh, whatever God has put on his heart for tonight. So John, over to you, my friend. Boy, that was such a profound message. And I really, really needed to hear it. Just the essence of Jesus loves us and we receive his love and that empowers us to love that that makes things so uh clear and uncomplicated you know uh living in Washington DC everything that could be clear and uncomplicated tends to be very very complicated by the time they're through with it so that's a real refreshing message thank you i needed that very much and I love the uh, discussion about faith, hope, and love. I, I There's that passage, and I'm not sure where it is, but it says we are saved by this hope, but hope that is seen is, is really not hope at all. And so there's a fascinating uh, study, really, on the hope of the gospel, the hope of Jesus, that uh, uh, there's a force to hope that is in alignment with that force to faith and those to empower are fueled by love, of course. So, yeah. So, um, coming to you live uh, from Washington D.C. As Jonathan said, I can look out over the White House right now. Uh, we see the Capitol. We see the Supreme Court. We are quite literally right across from the Pentagon. We live in Pentagon City. My wife Jolene and I live in Pentagon City, and um, we had a major, major breakthrough. Might as well just start with this. We had a major breakthrough. Amazon is building their HQ2, their big tower, uh, big headquarters right across the street from us. And as part of the tower, part of the headquarter experience, they were going to actually build a modern version of the Tower of Babel. I mean, right across from the Pentagon, part of the skyline of Washington, D.C., and I will just say through many times trekking through the mud, uh, praying, planting scripture, making declarations, uh, our hope was met with uh, some extraordinary news that they have at least delayed building the Tower of Babel in Washington, D.C. So Amazon decided to scale back a little bit. They cut a lot of staff. And as part of that, they decided to at least hold off for a while on a modern version of the Tower of Babel right across the street from us. So there is some good news coming from Washington, D.C. I know it maybe, you know, seems like few and far between. Uh, we've, of course, been celebrating still the verdict from uh, a, almost a year ago, on June 24th of 2022, when Roe v. Wade was overthrown by the U.S. Supreme Court against all expectation. 
That was really, really something to see. A major, major answer to prayer. And um, I believe just from a spiritual warfare perspective, Isaiah 28 talks about covenants with death and hell that empower corruption uh, by governmental leaders. And the Lord is saying covenant with death and hell annulled. And what does that have to do with the 10 days? What does that have to do with tonight? Um, I, I really felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to just open up a chapter that we've begun to explore ourselves on the spirit and power of Elijah. As I was going through, Jonathan, and checking out some of the suggestions that you had for topics, this seems to cover almost all the topics all at once. The spirit and power of Elijah. And we know that uh, from the book of Malachi that God is sending uh, Elijah or the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And by that, a curse is going to be broken off the land. I, I think even the fact that on, you know, June 24th of 2022, again, uh, the Supreme Court decided to overthrow nationally legalized abortion through Roe v. Wade. There's something very significant to that. Uh, the, the court is primarily Catholic, right? And Catholics celebrate John the Baptist Day on June 24th. So we, they release this verdict. Actually, this probably the greatest, what I would call a turnaround decree, a turnaround verdict. They released the greatest turnaround verdict in modern history purposefully on what they consider to be John the Baptist's day, the day of John the Baptist's birth. And uh, it, it's kind of fascinating when you even look at John the Baptist because, you know, he leapt in his mother's womb. When he came into contact with Mary, Miriam, and Yeshua in Miriam's womb. So that was proof that babies actually have the capacity intellectually to process, emotionally to process, and they can respond in kind to the uh, sensory input that's coming in, which we all know, right? But I think John the Baptist, even from his mother's womb, being filled by the Holy Spirit kind of shows the hypocrisy of uh, the paradigm that, you know, life doesn't begin until birth. So that's a major, major issue that I think has been um, significantly um bypassed by the body of Christ. We we should have been celebrating that, and instead, it's kind of been a tepid response even to this day. But I believe that it's an indication that we have a limited window of opportunity that's open for us to shift things from a covenant with death, empowering a culture of death, to a covenant of life, empowering a culture of life. That's our forefathers cut covenant with the Lord for the dream of God's heart for America to be a land of freedom, of life, uh, and the perpetuation of the Judeo-Christian worldview. Um, my forefathers came over on the Mayflower. Um, there, there's a guy named Richard Warren who signed the Mayflower Covenant 
compact and committed the land and government to the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, I learned my last time up there that they actually considered the dictatorships, the uh, monarchies of Europe to be Babylon, to be an expression of Babylon. And there's a great book, a great pilgrim book about how they were escaping Babylon by coming to the new world and establishing covenant. That's really fascinating to me because when you look in context with uh, um, Isaiah 62, which is an overarching passage for our time right now, for the 10 days, for the 21 day, uh, 21 days of fasting and praying, for Zion's sake, I'm not going to hold my peace. For Jerusalem's sake, I'm not going to rest until her righteousness shines forth as brightness and her salvation is a burning and shining lamp. It goes on to say uh, that you'll no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate. You shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord delights in you and to him your land shall be married. So obviously that's talking about Zion, right? That's talking about the covenant land. But we know also that God inspired Zion as a prototype for us all. It's a prototype for every nation, including the United States of America. And God uh, uh, inspired our pilgrim forefathers, our Huguenot forefathers, and many, many others to cut covenant with him for the land that would become the United States of America. And I believe that he wants to protect, defend, uphold, and perpetuate that covenant in this hour of history. It's really fascinating to me that, uh, and I'm taking a lot of leaps here, but it's fascinating, fascinating to me that when Jesus described John the Baptist, the forerunner who was sent before him to prepare the way, he described John the Baptist as the burning and shining lamp. He used the terminology straight out of Isaiah 62. And I believe, I've come to believe that the burning lamp in Isaiah 62 actually describes the spirit and power of Elijah. There's, there's a correlation there that's unmistakable, obviously, because John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah, and he was called the burning lamp. Why the burning lamp? What's the big deal with the burning lamp? What's the big deal with the fire of God? What, what, what was so important about the fire falling on Pentecost, cloven tongues of fire resting on all of God's people? Whenever you see the fire of God in manifestation, it's a sign of either covenant being established or covenant being restored. God came down with a smoking fire pot and a burning lamp. And cut covenant with Abraham for the land and people that would become Israel. He later met Moses. He met Moses as a burning bush. The menorah uh, in Israel, the, the, the symbol of Israel, is fashioned after that burning bush experience. So the Lord is showing that, that uh, uh, he is the fire and the presence uh, amidst the burning bush. He is our burning and shining lamp. And he wants us to be on fire like he is on fire. He wants us to have that supernatural grace by the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire, if you will, to be John the Baptist in this hour. 
So, Lord, I am asking first and foremost tonight that you move by your spirit. And uh, your word declares uh, uh, that the fire is your love. Song of Solomon 8.6. Lord, we declare the fire of Holy Spirit is released right now to everybody on this Zoom call, Zoom broadcast, and to people across the nation and the nations of the earth who are standing these final 10 days between uh, now and Pentecost, Lord, we ask for Holy Spirit fire to be imparted. We ask for the sign of your covenant to be released. We ask that you raise up burning and shining lamps, God. I thank you for Jonathan, that he is a burning and shining lamp. And he's not just a a, a, a lamp himself, but he's starting fires all over the world to get people connected to you, to enter into the fuller expression of your covenant, experience your presence, and move with your heart in prayer. And we thank you for that grace and anointing in Jesus' name. Here's here's some fascinating things about John the Baptist. And I, I have to say, um, we had a... Uh, Unusual experience in July of uh, last year. I was actually up at Faneuil Hall, Boston, and the Lord gave me a vision of picking up a, a mantle by the Jordan River. And that sounds so superficial, sounds so kind of like, oh, please, you know, doing another prophetic action to pick up a mantle by the Jordan River. Who does he, you know, I, I backed away from it immediately, but the vision stayed with me. And to the extent when I prayed about it, I, I, you know, you know how you kind of play Bibleopoly, you open up the Bible and there's the passage. I, I couldn't get away from passages on uh, Elijah. And so I went from being a, a, a dissenter, like that must have been a figment of my imagination to we really need to do this. And so I, I, I had full plans to go in August to Israel. Jolene talked me out of it primarily because the Judean desert in August is really, really hot. <laughs> so we decided to just uh, hold back till December. And um, that was the first time we actually had a window where we weren't ministering. We could go and spend some time in Israel and do this prophetic action, picking up the mantle, which again, that my mind sounded a little bit superficial, like, oh, give me a break. But all right, I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to ask God, faith works by love. I love you, Jesus. And I, I want the spirit and power of Elijah. So it, maybe this is just a representation that you have. So I, I uh, was contacting my friend uh, Jamie Fitt on another matter. And Jamie mentioned to me that Ed Watts, enough mutual friend Ed Watts, was going to be in uh, Israel at the same exact time that we were in Israel, early early to mid-December, because the Lord had spoken to him about it's time to see the release of the spirit and power of Elijah. He actually was fasting and praying up on Mount Carmel and had, it was almost the same exact dates that we were going to be in, in, uh, in Israel together. And, and we didn't know, you know, so it was just a real strong confirmation to us. And uh, we ended up doing a Spirit of Elijah tour, Ed Watts and Jolene and myself, along with Jamie Fitt. Uh, and we just got back from that tour. So I'm kind of fresh from that. Maybe that's why it's so much in my heart right now. But um, I think this passage is so, so vital, even to where we are prophetically in this hour, 
It's from the uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. It's where the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah long after Zechariah had lost the capacity to conceive, you know, and his wife couldn't either. Uh, they had they had not conceived all the years of their marriage. And here Gabriel appears to, to Zechariah. The angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your petition has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. He will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's not going to drink wine or liquor. He'll be filled with Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go on as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's an amazing, amazing prophecy. And we focus so much on the turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children of the fathers. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I, I want to point out verse 16, because we so focus on uh, uh, Luke 1, 17, especially if you come from the camp where Lou Engel's voice and Mike Bickle's voice is very prevalent. Uh, but 116, he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. That is a promise to sons of covenant across the spectrum, but it's very, very significantly a promise to the sons of covenant, the sons of Israel in the land of Israel, the Jewish people in Israel and throughout the, the, the nations of the earth. I, I hadn't really seen this until now. But the spirit of Elijah is sent into the earth to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers, but to turn the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I just thought that was amazing. I'd never seen that before. So as we seek the Lord for an increased measure of this spirit and power of Elijah, we are literally unlocking the capacity for the Jewish people in uh, uh, Israel and in the nations to return to the Lord their God. To me, that's worth every bit of sacrifice to, to see the dream of God's heart for his own uh, uh, sons and daughters in the, in the natural, sons and daughters of covenant to return to him. And I believe we are really at that place right now. So, I also believe that prayer does so much more than trying to persuade and argue and try to persuade people by uh, some of our more foolish endeavors. I'll just put it that way. And I learned this in a very, very personal way. God began to turn my heart to my son whom Jonathan knows, prayed for, helped out so much uh, in, in his time at Gordon College. Um, but back in 2014, the Lord had given us a dramatic experience, again, up at Fenwell Hall in Boston, where he basically promised us that he's going to turn the nation. He's going to grant the nation a national turnaround and grant Washington, D.C. a national turnaround. 
And I was so excited about this. I, I, I was ready to run with the vision. I was ready to go from California to Washington, D.C., declaring the, the turnaround that God was going to bring. And then actually in 2016, we ended up doing just that by train, believe it or not. We went to all 50 states, primarily by train, declaring God's turnaround. And it happened before our eyes. But I'll never forget in 2014, when we had this initial promise, uh, I, I, I was ready to go and the Holy Spirit arrested me. And he said, before you can stand for a turnaround for Washington, D.C. and the nation, you must first stand for a turnaround for your own son and daughter. My heart broke at that because of the condition of my son and daughter. My son had gone to Gordon College uh, despite uh, the my efforts, Jonathan's efforts, many others' efforts. He spiraled out. I mean, he he graduated, but he came in on fire for the Lord. And then he got professors who told him that Jesus was not Messiah. The Bible is just a compilation of books. And it, it tested his faith. And he ended up experimenting with drugs, experimenting with all kinds of different stuff and um, spiraling. And so... He hadn't really even touched base with us in, you know, a couple of years. I mean, we call every once in a while, but he he dis, disengaged himself from us for a season. And so for the Lord to speak this, I, I had much more faith for the nation for a turnaround than I did for my own son. And this is where the Lord began to encounter me with what is articulated as the spirit and power of Elijah. It came from desperation on my part to be a father who loves his son. Of course, I loved him, but I was heartbroken, and I was carrying a lot of baggage, a lot of unforgiveness. And so when the Lord spoke to us to contend for our son and daughter, uh, I, 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 I struggled. My prayers were just not so effective, just put it that way, until I got through that forgiveness issue. But we started praying on Christmas of 2014. And uh, we called our Lamplighter family nationwide to pray for our sons and daughters every Tuesday. We call it Turnaround Tuesday, to take every Tuesday for fasting and prayer for our sons and daughters. And Man, it was amazing. By February of 2015, absolutely nothing happened. By May of 2015, we were going at it hard, and there was still no movement. But in November, out of the middle of nowhere, my son called and asked if he could come home. He wanted to have... Uh, uh, his birthday and have Christmas with us. First time in years. And so, you know, we like, sure. Let, I, I had tried all my preaching, all the best mentoring, anything and everything to try and pull him back in. And I finally realized <clears throat> Jesus was calling me to go to the throne on his behalf. And then he would release it his way without our control. That makes sense. 
So after a year of prayer, uh, on Christmas Day of 2015, my son comes knocking on the door really early in the morning. He says, Dad, Dad, I need to talk to you. I thought he wanted to like open Christmas presents. He's like 24 years old at the time. He's probably not wanting to open Christmas presents early, but that's what he used to do. So I'm used to getting awakened for, you know, Christmas early, but this time he wanted to talk. And I was like, Jonathan, what's going on? He said, dad, I came home last night. And I said, I'm so glad you're here. You know, I, I, I didn't pay attention. Just didn't want to correct him because he came home like week, a week beforehand, not the previous night, but I'm like, Hey, he's home, you know? So at least he got that figured out and he wants to be here. He said, no, dad, you don't understand. I came home to Jesus last night. He had an open eyed vision of Jesus Christ extending his hand to him and compelling him to come back home to return. One year to the day we started praying. My son got born again on Christmas Day, the day we celebrate the, the birth of Christ. And I know it was our prayers, but it was also the prayers that just did not give up for our sons and daughters nationwide. And I believe the quickest entryway into a fuller expression of the spirit and power of Elijah is that we begin to contend for this generation like we've never done so before. We need to contend in prayer, grab hold of the promise of God for our sons and daughters and contend. It's the spirit and power of Elijah that turns the sons of covenant back to the Lord their God. We've seen it in a breathtaking way. And I just wanted to impart that little bit of encouragement to you. I know you guys are all for this with the 10 days. I think it covers preparing the way of the Lord, uh, bridal preparations across the spectrum, Christ's return. It kind of covers the gamut. But uh, above everything else, we encounter the father's heart for his sons and daughters because he loves them far more than we do. And when you encounter his love, nothing else can stand in the way when you're impacted that way. So it's been an honor to be with you guys tonight. Jonathan. Thank you so much. Um, really deeply touching and also um, just have a lot to think about in terms of some of those scriptures that you brought up. I'm still kind of meditating on that. Um, does someone just want to pray in response? I feel like we should have a prayer in response. Margie or someone else who has a, who was, has a child like that? Anybody? I don't know if you want to hear me cry. <laughs> Father God, release the spirit of Elijah for our children. We can't do it. We've tried. 
and our hearts just plead before your throne. But you are a good God, and this is what you want. You love my son. You love our children. You loved our lost loved ones more than we do. And we plead with you, Lord, to release the spirit of Elijah. I don't know how to even pray, but we know we have a God. We have Jesus and the Holy Spirit interceding for us, and he's going to say it perfectly before your throne. Lord, release, release the spirit of Elijah. Turn. I forgive my child right now for walking away, for um, not wanting to have much to do with me. I forget to forgive my own child. I don't know why, but I forgive him. I forgive him. I thank you for this message and I pray it resonates on our hearts and teaches us more and more how to pray and more and more how to trust you. And we, we give you the glory, God. We give you the glory. We give you the glory for what's going to happen and how you're going to bring our children home and our lost loved ones. In Jesus' name. <laughs>